Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Welcome to Freedom Rings. We're delighted that you're joining our podcast today, and I am so excited to welcome someone that you've probably seen on TV. You hear him talking on the floor of the U.S. House. It is Congressman Mike Waltz. And Congressman, you have represented Central Florida in the U.S. House since 2019, but you didn't waste time when you got here having that period of time where you try to figure things out, you went to work immediately and you are known as a dedicated, hardworking, committed conservative who is not afraid to stand up to what the Democrats are doing. So you have served your country the your entire life and you were in the military, in the army for over 26 years. You're a combat decorated Green Beret, and currently you're a colonel in the National Guard. So I have to ask you right off the bat, what led you to dedicate your life to fighting for America's freedom? Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, uh, Senator, and great to be on with you. Uh, this is uh, I'm really looking forward to, to having this conversation with yeah. you and and thank you for your service and believe me uh, we are in a fight we are in a fight for uh, America's future uh, and you know my wife uh, likes to say like okay you chose this you got shot at for 26 years all over the world but that wasn't enough now you got to go to Washington DC and and uh, and and take on the left Um you know, I think two things. One, uh, I had uh, a bit of the American dream story that I had, you know, grew up with a with a single mother. Uh, my dad uh, was in the Navy, um, but I, I never, never knew him, never saw him. I think he went off to sea and, and kind of never came back. Uh, but we grew up in a Navy town in Jacksonville, Florida, and I saw her struggling with multiple jobs, three jobs at one point, but also putting herself through night school. And uh, we had the kind of kind of the cool moment of graduating at the same time. It took me four years. It took her 15 years <laughs> and we ended up graduating college at the same time. But she retired as an executive vice president of Prudential Security. She broke ceiling after ceiling. I used to sleep on the floor of her office uh, as she just pounded away at creating a better life for us. And then I had the opportunity to travel abroad uh, and see that that doesn't that opportunity doesn't exist. Uh, all over the world. Um, uh, And it certainly doesn't exist for women. And I saw at an early age, I saw that in societies where women, uh, where girls are educated and women thrive in civil society and business and politics, uh, you don't have an extremism problem. You don't, you don't have a lot of problems uh, that uh, in society that, um, that embraces uh, uh, the role of women and women in leadership and so I, um, I guess the military was in me somewhere, but I thought that is absolutely worth defending and can absolutely come under threat. And so I think living that American dream with her uh, and, then, and then seeing how people don't get that, those kind of opportunities all over the world uh, and just how special this country is. 
Well, you're you're so right about that, the specialness of the country and the specialness of hope and opportunity that come from living in a in a free world. I, I've got to go back to your wife saying you spent 26 years getting shot at all over the globe, and then you come to D.C. That's and you right. get shot at. <laughs> so I guess that helped to prepare you for being able to handle rejection and yeah. verbal assaults. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I have some pretty thick skin. Uh, there are some days, uh, Marsha, I think that um, – I think that Afghanistan some days was a little bit easier to deal with than than Washington D.C. But no, in all seriousness, um, yeah, it, it's it's been a, a fascinating uh, experience to be a part of this republic that I was willing to die to defend, uh, and to be a part of this uh, process for all its warts. Uh, every day that we walk up those Capitol steps is truly an honor. Uh, and the you know in the House of Representatives we represent roughly eight hundred thousand to a million people depending on your district, uh, and they will always be the boss. I take we the people very seriously, but it, yeah, it did it did prepare me, uh, and that's why I'm passionate about getting more veterans into uh, Congress. Uh, in the '70s, seventy five percent of the Congress were vets. Today it's sixteen percent. I don't think we'll ever get back to that three quarters numbers because of the draft, World War II, those other pieces. But we need to get those numbers up. Why? It's not because we agree on every issue. We don't. Uh, but it's it's the ethos that we bring. If we were willing to die for that red, white, and blue, we'll roll up our sleeves. We'll take the tough votes. We'll put up with the left, uh, and and have that mission mindset to get the job done. Uh, and I think we're that. That 16% that we have today uh, in the Congress of veterans is a record low, and I think it explains a lot of the record amount of dysfunction. I could tell you for sure, in the foxhole, nobody cares about black, white, or brown. They don't care about race, religion, social economic background. You're all fellow Americans. You're going to take care of uh, the men and women to the left, you know, to your left and right, and 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 get the mission accomplished. So, I think that mindset, that ethos, uh, is is what has you know prepared me and and made me somewhat successful here so far and you're the first green beret to ever be elected to congress correct yes ma'am apparently we've checked all over and uh (laughs) there's been five uh navy seals uh i'm the only green beret and i just tell them it takes five of them to equal one of us (laughs) we we call it a day right well we we know that uh for our Senate Armed Services Committee, on which I sit, um, and I know you're active with House Armed Services, right. that much of uh, that we rely on people who have worn that uniform, mm. who know what is going to happen. Uh, they're not part of the Pentagon brass. They have been part of the team that gets out there to accomplish that mission. So when you look at the state of affairs in the world, what do you see as the biggest threats to yeah. our freedom? Well, to your point, though, on having veterans on these committees, um, it's not that we know what question to ask of the Pentagon brass. It's that we know how they're going to spin it, <laughs> and we know that second and third follow-up to really get to the bottom of the issue. And that really came to light during the Afghanistan debacle. Uh, we're, you know, we're, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of it all. Uh, and it is just a moral stain uh, on this uh, on this nation's consciousness. There has still been zero accountability for those 13 gold star 
families uh, that whose whose sons and daughter should not have been trying to defend an airport sitting in the middle of four million people surrounded by the Taliban, relying on the Taliban mm-hmm. to screen uh, ISIS. I mean, it's just uh, it, it, the the entire thing was an abomination and is absurd. And oh, by the way, this hasn't really come out. The suicide bomber that killed those thirteen was let out of prison at Bagram Air Base just a couple of weeks prior. Uh, so getting to the bottom of those types of issues, I think, is is critical uh, on committee. But in terms of the state of the world, look, I think the existential question of our time, uh, Marsha, on these committees is how do we deal with China that's eclipsing us economically and militarily now? Uh, Russia, North Korea, Iran, as it races towards a nuke, uh, North Korea, as it deploys nukes, and still the global threat of terrorism, all overlaid with $30 trillion in debt and counting. Uh, and, and we have a moral obligation to make sure those men and women that are out there on those walls that we're sending out to deal with all of those threats have the very best and most advanced equipment that they need uh, to defend this nation. I, I, I think we have never in our history faced such a variety uh, and such a nefarious uh, a menu of of threats. And the one I'm most worried about, and I know you've been such a leader on, is China. And it's not because of their military. It's because they have infused so much of our society with their influence. We are drunk on Chinese dollars. This is going to be won or lost economically way before it ever comes to any kind of head militarily. I agree with that assessment, and I think that is why it is so dangerous that we have American companies that continue to do business with China. It's why I've been so committed to repatriating manufacturing of our critical supply chain, whether it is pharmaceuticals or telecom equipment or uh, semiconductors, ag chemicals, (laughs) yes, and blocking that farmland purchase by the Communist Chinese Party. That is something that is um, really uh, needs more of our attention. And I think, uh, just one thing, you know, with all of those threats, we have to we have to have leadership in the commander in chief. We cannot appease the Ayatollahs in Iran, Putin, Z, uh, the Taliban that now have a super state with Al Qaeda and ISIS plotting and planning to attack us again. This lack of leadership in uh, uh, in the White House is so dangerous. And I could tell you, having sat across the table from some of these thugs uh, all around the world. They are absolutely emboldened by weakness. They smell weakness in this White House. They see opportunity, uh, and that and that's why they're they're absolutely on the march. And I'm just counting the days till we can fire Nancy Pelosi, we can get the Congress back, uh, and put a stop to a lot of this. Stuff. I, I I just pray that we do it fast enough to dig us out of this hole. Completely agree with that. I refer to Russia, China, Iran, and North Korea as the new axis of evil. And we have been very concerned about how they're trying to bring Afghanistan under Mm -hmm. uh, into their sphere of influence, the communist Chinese taking the lead on that because of lithium, rare earth minerals. Um, 
what they're doing with debt diplomacy and the Belt and Road Initiative. It is not something that uh, their long-term strategy does not serve us well. Uh, I, I want to ask you about your business that you mm-hmm. started sure. after you retired out of the military mm-hmm. because you kind of got that um, – business bug from your mother right that's right no that's right and uh so i came back from a tour you know i've I've been a lot of folks don't realize that both the green berets and uh, navy seals have reserve units and so that means you had to have a day job and uh after i worked in the bush white house i did a tour over in afghanistan uh uh, during that tour by the way i had to lead the search for bo bergdahl if you remember that traitor uh, who absolutely got fellow Americans killed. But when I came back, um, I joined some partners. We started a business or three of us in an attic. And what I saw from both my time in the White House and out on the ground was that these terrorists run themselves. It's all about the money. They run themselves like the mafia. They may preach that they're pure jihadis, um, but they're in counterfeit cigarettes, counterfeit money, stolen cars. You know, the largest counterfeiter of cigarettes in the world is Hezbollah in North Africa. Tens of millions of dollars uh, to fund their terrorism. And uh, so we we got together some analysts uh, that knew truly how to follow the money, um, got them clearances, partnered them with the CIA and others, some proprietary software. And we started chasing bad guy money all over the world. Uh, we had an commercial clients, uh, government clients, treasury, special operations command. If you want to find the bad guy, follow the money, uh, right? And um, we grew it to about 400 employees uh, before I did the stupidest thing financially I've ever done, <laughs> which was when Ron DeSantis ran for governor, I ran for his congressional seat. Uh, another uh, point my wife likes to make that uh, that uh, you know few people actually lose money. Uh, let's look at Nancy Pelosi and how much she's made. But yeah. um, you know, I think it was an important experience for me because uh, you know it's one thing to get a job and to get a paycheck. It's another thing to build a company, to build wealth, uh, to understand what it means to make payroll like so many of our small businesses are doing or struggling to do uh, around the country, especially now with inflation out of control, uh, to read a balance sheet and to understand those dynamics um, was, I think, just one more thing that really prepared me for this job. And I got to tell you, you know, it is amazing dealing with the left that I think truly looks at business owners as a bunch of robber barons that have five houses and four boats. Uh, and but for uh, the progressives and OSHA and and big government that, you know, has to protect their employees from these business owners. And you and I know, I mean, these business owners are treat their their employees and their businesses like family mm-hmm. uh, and the burden True. on them to for the care and feeding and making that payroll is, is is really tremendous. And everyone I know takes it extremely seriously. And if they do enjoy some success, good on them. That's the American dream. They took all that risk. But dealing, you know, really seeing that kind of being close to the lens of the left, I I get, a, a I think, sometimes a heavier dose of it in the House with the squad and uh, and a progressive caucus that's now nearly 100 members on their side. Uh, is has just been kind of mind-blowing to me. I know that our audience is going to want to keep up with you mm. and learn more about you. So on Twitter, you're at Michael Waltz. 
on Facebook at Mike Waltz, and the website is MikeWaltz.com. So thank you for joining us today. This has been such an encouraging and enlightening conversation. <laughs> hey, thanks. Uh, thank you, Senator. And, and uh, you know, I, I look forward to seeing you down in that foxhole as we, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be damned uh, if if we're going to have our kids and grandkids growing up in a country led by Democrat socialists or a world led by Chinese communists. I mean, I think that's the fight before us, and, and you've been such a leader on it, and I got your back. And I appreciate that, and it is a worthy fight. Thanks for joining us for Freedom Rings. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.